Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1282, entitled On the Bleach. (laughs) (laughs) Our podcast title is Animal Podding. Mm. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. That was such a peppy intro from you, Rob. I feel like, you know, it's a bit of a sober atmosphere at the moment, but um, I like that you came out gung-ho with that. Hardly sober. I've had more alcohol on my hands. It's true. We've got wipes. We've got spray. We've got... Joy. We've got fun. (laughs) We've got freedom in the sun. We've got nukes, electric, death machines and sharp sticks. (laughs) An express elevator to hell going down. And as you mentioned, weird is very much the, uh, you know, raison d'etre of zero G. So we're feeling pretty at home in this weird new world. Yeah, exactly. Well, what are we going to do today? I don't know. Well, we're going to crack on <laughs> with talking about some stuff that you can do and watch while in isolation. Really, in in some respects for zero G, you know, okay, what are you going to do? Well, we're going to talk. We could talk about books, mm. which we do anyway. We yep. could talk about films. Which Although we do. We can't go to the cinema. We can no. still do that. Which is a loss because I love the cinema, but plenty of other ways to get our movie fixed. So, mm. Oddly enough, when I go to the cinema, I'm most nine times out of ten, I'm usually sitting there by myself. But it's the, anyway, it's so. the, it's the whole kind of situation, the atmosphere, you know, the size, the snacks, the, the, <laughs> the seats. The gelati. Exactly, all gelati. of that. Yeah, because yeah. you like to go to the... Yeah, you know, I'm a typical my my film going cinema experience. This is like nostalgia. Mm, I know. It's, Times um, before the film, um, uh, usually a tiddly oggy, <laughs> which is kind of like a pasty, mm-hmm. um, a gelati, uh, and a quick tour of the toy shops. Yep, and that's it. You know, a bit that's of an my outing. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can still kind of do that and a walk as well. Yes. So you can still do the walk. Um, can watch a DVD or a Netflix yep. or sorry, yep. I, Netflix, oh my God, that's generic, that's, isn't it? Yeah, don't it's be become, saying Panadol instead of Paracetamol here. No. Streaming service. That's like saying um, champagne and real pain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, yeah, streaming service. So oh you're sparkling God. streaming service. <laughs> and, um, you know, so uh, there's the other aspects. You could s- still go and get a gelati, technically speaking, at the moment. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So there are elements. Yeah, there's ways around. And you can certainly, I've been remote watching things with friends. You can still talk about things you've been doing. And it's not the same, but there's still ways of sharing these pastimes, even though it just looks a bit different now. So. Oh, and there are online toy stores too. So Exactly. What's exactly. changed? <laughs> Zero G, we're getting cosy. We're feeling all right. So Yeah, but what, not too cosy. What are we cracking on with? We've good, got Good omens. Yes. Okay, so... Clearly, you want to watch a show about the apocalypse. Well, I want to watch a show with Michael Sheen. I mean, that's my. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, this is um, Good Omens is a miniseries. It's on uh, Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. uh, amongst other aspects. I wonder if it's on DVD yet. It's surely season one because this has got a couple seasons under its belt now, right? Or is no, it just no, one? Good Omens is just one season. Oh, it's just a one thing. Yep. Okay, well, six episodes. Know. Okay, um, and it's a it's a it's based on the nineteen ninety novel of the same name yep. by Terry Pratchett mm-hmm. and Neil Gaiman, uh, which is why I come to think of it, uh, kids on bicycles play such an important part of the narrative, like. Every 80s genre film with children in well, it. Well, I'm, I'm interested. That's got me. <laughs> That's your thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, now, it's got a subtitle, the book, The Nice and Accurate Prophecies of Agnes Nutter, mm-hmm. which, so it doesn't really retain that on the, uh, the miniseries. Uh, Pratchett and Gaiman have been friends since 1985 and um, oh. originally, according to Neil himself, mm. <laughs> they were... Going, he was writing this as a, a parody of Richard Crompton's, sorry, Rich Mal Crompton's 
William books. Okay. It's a character, just William, essentially, a, a young boy. And those books are um, Easter, eggs in, Easter egged in the series. Got it. Uh, and Richmond Crompton Lamburn was born in 1890, died in 1969. A popular English writer and she was best known for her Just William series of books. There's about th- 40 of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're, you know, they're humorous short stories and also uh, adult fiction books that she did as well. But these William books are about an um, eternally 11-year-old schoolboy. Okay. And he's got a band of friends known as the Outlaws. And like 40 of these books came out. Okay. Massively popular. Films, stage plays, radio and television, the whole nine yards, you know. So even – and Terry Pratchett even based another one of his series of books on it, the – the uh, Johnny Maxwell books upon that kind of idea. Mm. Um, and his idea was what would what would uh, the Just William books be like in the 1990s. Ah, ooh. So that's, that's like side issues there. Okay, yep. So when Gaiman and Pratchett worked on it, <laughs> Gaiman wanted, it, wanted to sort of have one where a book called, you know, it was almost like, um, you know, like you have the famous five, da-da-da. I was going to say, yeah, similar to that kind of mm. Enid blighton yeah. trope, yes. So in this case it was um, William the Antichrist, <laughs> of course, because it's Neil Gaiman. So um, they, they they worked on this together to the extent where it became like this uh, uh, Terry Neal monster yep. where they were like a gestalt entity <laughs> corresponding by telephone and uh, floppy disks back in the day when <gasps> disks really were floppy. Wow. <laughs> And and they got it done, you know. Nice. So um, there was spin-offs of this. Um, maybe Terry Gilliam was trying to get a film up in two um, thousands. You know, that ne- all never fits. really. Yeah. Yeah, it's Terry Gilliam. It's just wasn't didn't get gonna, off the ground. <laughs> yeah, or you know, or maybe like a hurricane stopped it or something. Or um, nothing really went on there. So although there was like, some good rumours about who was going to play the characters in, mm, in it. Mm. Uh, the two main characters, um, Crowley, who's a demon, mm-hmm. and which means he's a fallen angel. Yep. And Azraphale, which is um, an angel, you know, um, not quite fallen, but very much gone native on the planet Earth. Now, back in the day for the Gilliam movie, they had these rumours about who was going to be in. Oh, who, so who was? Uh... Johnny Depp was Crowley. And yes. Maybe Robin Williams as Azraphale, but that's all oh, sort of apocryphal. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm pretty happy with what they've gone with here. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody mentioned Robin Williams and you thought, yeah, oh, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, so in 2011, they sort of thought, well, we'll get a television adaptation uh, and Terry Jones might have been um, one of the writers of that. Mm-hmm. So there were like talks and stuff, but never oh, yes. went anywhere. Meetings and hush-hush and whatnot. Uh, 2012, Terry Pratchett's daughter, Rihanna, um, established this company called Narrativia and they had a lot of um, Terry Pratchett pro- projects in the works, yep. including Good Omens. We had a theatre production in 2013 um, in Scotland, uh, Glasgow. That actually went ahead. Uh, I think they were working on um, a special development reading of Good Omens, the musical in Sydney oh. in 2017. I don't that know. would have been kind of fun. Yeah, it's all sort of all these... Projects accrued and came and went. When there's a good kind of source material, a lot of people get interested and get grand ideas about how they might want to adapt that. So it's not too surprising. They did a a, a Radio 4 BBC um, adaptation of it uh, where Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett had uh, cameo roles. They played a couple of um, traffic policemen. They broadcast that in 2014, I should say. Not, okay. I think I said 2004. So then they, uh, they after um, Terry Pratchett died in uh, 2016, um, there were further talks about it and Amazon.com announced that they would do it as a, a comedic apocalyptic miniseries, <laughs> which um, came out on Prime Video in uh, 2019. To boost up there. Yeah. So that's kind of a a little bit of a history there, which is kind of appropriate because there's an entire episode of it it, uh, devoted to the the history together of um, Crowley and Azraphale, which is um, 
actually, when I say a history, it, it really is a history okay. from the from the Garden of Eden Mm-mm. onwards. Yeah, and it's hilarious because they just keep meeting up, like like the Highlanders in those series. They just yeah. keep all the Highlander and the Avram Immortals. They they just keep cycling through history through through what um, David Tennant in his uh, in his uh, Doctor mode mm. would probably call hinge points in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was actually one of the most hilarious episodes in it. They uh, they went to uh, the crucifixion, um, Noah's Ark. Now the the, the story, the, the trick about this story is okay. You've got the the demon and the angel. Yep. Uh, and they're they're kind of um, their job is to is to meet up at the end of time on Earth, mm. which is basically at the Battle of um, Armageddon at the fields of Megiddo, mm-hmm. and. Um, it's a megadodo. Oh, I don't. Know. I don't care. <laughs> it's it's fantasy. It's fantasy. So they're essentially taking the um, the uh, the Bible fantasy as literal mm. history in this. So it's like six thousand years. Yeah. So you've got the Garden of Eden and Noah's Ark and all the other absurdities that they had. Yep. Yeah. And it actually is fun. I'd I'd way rather read Good Omens than the Bible any day of the week. <laughs> uh, and this is a novel about. Fiendship, that is to say, the, uh, yeah. the, 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 the bro-ship of um, the angel and the demon. Okay, like a Professor X Magneto kind of Exactly, mm, exactly. Mm, mm. And it, you could say that maybe like Neil is Crowley and, uh-huh. and uh, Ezra Fale is um, Terry Pratchett. That's uh, nice, yeah. you, you could, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go too far mm, with that. Mm. I love a good – I like that dynamic. Mm, yeah. So we have um, a song from that. Well, actually, I'd like to go with the, omi- op- the omening. <laughs> oh, I should have brought my Jerry Goldsmith in today because that's bad omens. But this is good omens. And this is the opening title by David Arnold, who's a, a, a composer we've heard of so many times in contexts mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. movies and television. And Tori Amos, who, of course, is <laughs> – Related to Neil Gaiman by relationship. (laughs) I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero G on 3 Triple R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 with three exclamation marks. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering which clone Glenn Twenty is. <laughs> by the way, just well. <laughs> running through our, all of our uh, a potent one, our de- decontamination rituals, mm. and that's become that, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> okay, that was the main title for Good Omens. There, uh, David Arnold. Yes, so he's a composer, an English film composer. So he's done five James Bond films. He did Stargate. Um, he also did the Independence Day and Godzilla. And also he... an Emmerich alumni. Yes, and you probably um, would have heard him do the score for the Sherlock opening theme as mm. well. So, and it's a beautiful it's title cool. sequence too for Good Omens. Um, it, 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 it's got a, a very Terry, Gilli- a Terry Gilliam feeling to mm. it. He'd be, he'd be proud of that if he'd done that. Uh, this lovely animated sequence running through the history of the the angel and the demon, their friendship over the years and the various things that are going to happen in the show. Oh. And they alter it a little bit for each episode. Oh, I like that. I like when shows do that, have like a little bit of a unique one per And, per of course, uh, Tori Amos is also in that uh, that opening title scene. Mm. In, um, uh, she has a professional relationship with Neil Gaiman, yeah. kind of like muses in a way, backwards mm. and forwards. Uh, and... Um, now we continue on with uh, our little chat about good omens, and I think one of the interesting things about it is that um, that six episodes mm. does pull it in very tightly. Yeah, it's always a very set narrative; like it, it knows where it's going. Yeah, yeah. And I think some shows lack that these days. And they never did get round to doing a um, a sequel, um, Neil and mm. Pratchett. Although there's kind of an idea for one that might go ahead at some stage. Who knows? They may do it like. Continue it on TV wise. Mm. Now it's got it. Uh, going back to it, there's the the uh, angel Crowley, uh, sorry, the demon Crowley, played by David Tennant, mm-hmm. and the angel Azraphael, played by Michael Sheen. Oh, Michael Sheen. <laughs> and they're 
their shtick is that um, they're going to facilitate Armageddon by mm. contacting the Antichrist. So basically Damien. They're looking for Damien, the right. little boy. Okay. Um, and that sort of goes wrong. <laughs> there's there's a, a snitch up uh, at an orphanage. This orphanage is uh, – sorry, a, a birthing centre. Right. Is, is run by um, the Sisterhood of the Chattering Nuns. <laughs> <laughs> who are a demonic order who are dedicated to finding the Antichrist. And there's just one of those, you know how you've got too many too many um, shells and just and too many pods? And yes. <laughs> <laughs> just, that's one of just life's things that happen. So that it all goes wrong. And uh, so this is going to provide additional challenges for our hero and Yes, and therein lies the fun, right? And, and there's the fun. Um, but that's only part of it. Okay. You know, there's there's many more aspects that run through as we go on there. And it's got a killer cast, absolutely killer, quite literally in the demon's case. <laughs> um, and uh, we've got Michael Sheen as Raphael. Um, now, I know him from Underworld, Rise of the Lycans, playing the werewolf leader Lucian. Mm-hmm. You possibly know him from Twilight. Yes, I know he's in Twilight, but I think probably I don't know what I would have seen him in first. Thirty Rock. I've seen yes, him in. he was in Thirty Rock. He was in Masters of Sex, the TV show. Um, Tron Legacy. That's where I really know oh, him from playing yes. you know, yep, playing yep. the nightclub guy. Yeah, um, he's a Welsh actor and activist. Oh, no, I know him from when he played. Um, he infamously played Tony Blair. Ah, oh, yes. He was very uh, in. This, yeah, he was very kind of. Uh, what do you call it? lauded for his performance? Yeah, that kind of put him on. the He back. says that's really weird when he watches any old um, footage of Tony Blair. Now it's sort of like watching an embarrassing video about himself. <laughs> <laughs> but um, possibly most relevant in this context, he was in two thousand and three. He was in a um, uh, Bright Young Things, which was um, ah. d- directed by um, Stephen Fry, mm. um, and that adapted Evelyn War's novel. The um, Set in uh, decadent pre-war London, mm, mm. and that had uh, and Sheen played um, a gay aristocrat, and in that cast was also James McAvoy, Emily, Emily Mortimer, mm-hmm. Dan mm-hmm. Aykroyd, Jim Broadbent, Peter O'Toole, and David Tennant. Ah, there you go. Yeah, he was also narrating a Neil Gaiman um, uh, book, which we looked at. Earlier this year, the ocean at the end of the lane. Oh yes, yep. Uh, for Radio Four, so there's sort of some synergy yeah. going on. He's there. popped up in a lot. There's a lot of things he was in that I forgot he was in. He was in a great Frost Nixon. Was he was good in that too? So. Why do you like him? By the way, I think he. I don't know. I think he just has a really nice energy, and I like most of the characters that he's played. Okay. Maybe not like is not quite the right word, <laughs> but I don't know. There's something about him that I really. I really like. I think he's played funny roles. He's played some really interesting roles. Um, I don't know. He just looks like a nice guy. He plays – in this – the uh, the way he goes plays the angel it reminds me a bit of something like Out of the Wind in the Willows. Mm. You know, he's got this very proper – Yeah, he's kind of – he falls in the same category for me as um, – what's his face? Martin Freeman. Yes. That kind yes. of actor, that British kind of very, you know, you just want to have him around for a cup of tea. <laughs> They'd be a good conversationalist. They'd be fun, you know. Oh, uh, the that's guy, the bucket that I. The guy who plays Jeff in um, Coupling. Oh yeah. Uh, who is now, you know, the uh, one of the the witch leaders in uh, the Coven in uh, Sabrina. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that. Uh, that yeah, sort of that. Feeling. This is the kind of realm that we're talking yeah. regarding. Yeah. So anyway, Look, as Raphael's gone completely native on Earth <laughs> over the six thousand years. Um, he likes to dress in uh, haute couture. Um, he likes crepes. Uh, he runs a bookshop. He's He's got this whole... Made a nice little comfy life for yeah. himself. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. fascinating. Whereas Crowley, of course, has just gone to all the bad. Yeah. And David Tennant just plays him as the bad He'd boy. He'd be having a lot of fun with that, I think. Yeah. Have you noticed in this one I'm watching him, David Tennant walks um, on an incline... So he's like he leads with ah, one shoulder, right. you know, and he's yeah, almost yeah. like an animated figure himself when he does that. <laughs> he's meant to be sharp, you know, Mm-mm. and he's always wearing sunglasses, which covers the snake eyes because he was the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Ah, ah. and he drives a, a demonic Bentley. 
<laughs> which is – and he drives it fast. Okay. And perhaps it drives itself. I, I think there's a bit of a ghostwriter thing going on there. Uh, and, of course, we know David Tennant as the 11th Doctor. Um, did I get that number right? I better. Uh, Tennant, no. uh, Matt Smith, Jodie Whittaker, so War Doctor. No, he's all right. No, he's the 11th. Yeah. Is she the 13th? Eccleston. No. Oh, my God, I've forgotten Peter Capaldi. He's the 10th. All right, okay. Christopher Eccleston, um, David Tennant, uh, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, uh, Jodie Whittaker. Whittaker. Yeah, that makes him actually like the 10th. Capaldi. Oh, no, it's just too many in my yeah, head. No, and, you know, and then you get thrown for a loop with the war doctor and now we've just added a whole new I know. canon of people. I, I guess know. that's it. They want you to stop counting, right? He's one of the doctors. Mm. <laughs> we yes. can never have too much of too many doctors, especially at the moment, of course. Mm. Oh, and by the way, a slight segue, Jodie Whittaker did a nice little PSA oh, about nice. COVID-19. Mm. So look for that on, online. Very, very reassuring, I felt. And then she nicked off into time and space, <laughs> leaving us to our fate. To another realm. Thanks. Yes. Thanks, Jody. Yeah. Okay. David Tennant is Crowley. Um, and he comes, he, he was in Jessica Jones, of course, playing the evil purple man. He was so good in that. Oh, so good. That was a really great role for him because I think. So bad. Yeah. He was, it was, it was terrible, but it, he did it in such the perfect way. Like he balanced that really well, I think. Because there was some quite malicious elements to that character, but he also played it with this kind of flair. I don't know. And uh, crime fiction fans will know him from Broadchurch. Mm, Well, of course, he was with Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I remember him first from Casanova. Oh, um, gosh. To Peter O'Toole way back then. Yeah, wow. And, of course, I've I've seen him. He's um, he's done a really good um, Hamlet. Yep. Uh, and he did this oh, – let let's not go too far into his career. We he's, talk about him a great. lot because he, yeah. he oft pops up in things of interest to Sergi. So the chemistry between him and uh, Michael Sheen is terrific. Of course it is. It, it is just so backwards no and less. forwards. That is why you are watching yeah. Good Omens. Absolutely, yeah, for with. the leads. They've thrown money at these guys and they will write too, I think. Absolutely. Perfect. And and um, Pratchett and Gaiman's um, – Dialogue for them is note perfect, mm. as you would expect. Mm. Nothing but praise for all of that. Um, and you get – you actually you actually touch by it. Okay. Watching yeah. it, you know. It's just – it's 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 got that little sort of uh, true friendship sort of feeling. I just, I, I just love it. Is John Hamm in this? Yes. Ah. Ah, he's playing a, uh, an angel. Another fave. And another fave from 30 Rock. <laughs> he's playing an angel. Um, of Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he plays him very much like a, um, almost like a, not quite like a tech, like a Silicon Valley um, okay. um, CEO, mm. but something, you know, not too far from a serious madman sort of. Okay, right, right, right. right. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. And he's just, you know, the best at everything. And he's, he's um, Azrafael's boss. Okay, interesting. Which is not much fun for Azrafael. Uh, look, I, I could go on about this. Um, you know, Ned Dennehy plays Hastur, as in Hastur La Vista, <laughs> a demon who doesn't actually like jokes but learns to appreciate them in a really sick way. Um, he was in uh, our podcaster's uh, favourite historical show, or at least one of the ones she likes, um, uh, Peaky Blinders. Ah, uh, nice. Um, the cast just goes on and on. Mm. Uh, Nick Offerman, who was Ron Swanson oh. in... Parks really? and Recreation. That's interesting. Dune um playing the Archangel Michael. She was in Smack the Pony, the female comedy series from way back, and Gladiatress, which is a women-orientated British sort of send-up of gladiator movies. Okay. Sam Taylor Buck plays Adam Young. The um, the Antichrist, mm-hmm. uh, he's brilliant actually. Okay. I've only seen him before in um, Medici Masters of Florence, where he plays young Lorenzo. Um, John John Hamm, as we as we mentioned, uh, <laughs> um, the Metatron, which is the voice of God, yep. or sort of the spokesperson of God, is um, Derek Jacobi. Um, oh, oh, yeah. So, very nice. You know, the master and the, and the doctor. Okay, so they've got some good stuff going on here. Yeah. Do you need to be very across like the book or some other thing? What, like the Bible? He, well, no, no, like the <laughs> – no, you don't need to know no, anything going no. in. You might, you might get some added um, 
fun out of uh, having read the Discworld books because um, Agnes, the uh, Agnes Nutter, the witch, is very much like oh, right. other witches that Terry Pratchett has sure. brought into being. So oh, there's extra appreciation there, but you don't need to know. I said that Derek Jacobi was Metatron, the Metatron, the voice, of the spokesperson of God, but the actual voice of God, okay. who plays God, is Francis Francis McDormand. Oh yes. Um, I love her too. And God is constantly referred. And I really love this because you could say that this was too much a um, a religious sort of hagiographic thing, but it's not. Um, the uh, The religious aspect is actually undermined at all points. Mm. So I kind of like it. You know, like you think that um, maybe uh, uh, you'd be getting into into sort of uh, reverential waters, but. Um, God is referred to as she mm, mm. in this. So right away they're undercutting all of that, mm. which is great. I love it. Um, uh, Adria Arjona, they're, they're testing me with these names, um, is Anathema Device, who is the witch Agnes Nutter's last descendant. And um, she's trying to interpret the, as we mentioned way at the start, the prophecies, the very good prophecies of Agnes Nutter. Ah, so right, she's, right. She's got that that sort of whole thing of I live in the dis, the, the shadow of my descendant who's predicting my future all the time, and she's got yeah. a, a card index of all the, uh, the prophecies. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. clever. The uh, lady who plays uh, Anathema, Adria Arjona, uh, was in the uh, NBC television series Emerald City playing Dorothy Gale. Mm. So, and she's also going to be in the Spider-Man spin-off Morbius. Oh, cool. So playing the film's female lead, Martine Bancroft. Uh, Miranda Richardson um, plays Madame Tracy. Uh, she's kind of like um, a medium courtesan. It's <laughs> a funny way of describing it. But she was in Underworld, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. She was Queenie, which is to say Queen Elizabeth I in Black Adder. Ah. Uh, and also another queen, Queen Marbin, lady in uh, Merlin in mm. the series. And also the Lady of the Lake. And she was, I don't know this character, but Rita Skeeter in... Oh, yes, yep, in Harry Potter. She's the reporter. Oh, Um, yes, She's a horrible, horrible lady. Uh, Yes, she's a nosy reporter that has the quick quick quill. Mm, mm. I I should say that Agnes Nutter, the witch, um, who's the original Agnes Nutter, who's uh, back in the past... Um, and runs afoul of witch finders and that horrible burning mm. at the stake. She has the best death for a witch I've ever seen. Oh, okay. Ever, ever, ever. Entirely satisfying. And I know that's a weird way of putting it, but it's great. <laughs> Got to see that. You know, I mean, just casually they get like Brian Cox playing the voice of death, one Ooh. of the four horsemen. He's. I've just started watching, well, sort of watching Succession. He's in that and he's very good. He's in everything. He everything is, good yeah. he's been in. Um, and a few bad things too, but you know he was in X two playing William Stryker. Oh, the huge, yeah, yeah, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Troy, where he was uh, he always, Agamemnon. He always plays this like imposing patriarch. <laughs> and of course, he was Hannibal Lecter, the first person to portray that on that character on film in 1986's oh. Manhunter. Oh, there you go. That's the one that people often forget. Yeah. Because it's not Anthony Because it's not the yeah. quote-unquote iconic Jamie portrayal. Hill actually plays the body of death because it's, you know, a mixed kind of performance with the character and the voice. Um, oh, you know, I mean, like Benedict Cumberbatch gets a voice appearance. Of course he does. <laughs> playing Satan. Oh, well. <laughs> um, you know, the, I could go on and on and on. There's just so many people in here that are relevant to to the whole damn thing, you know. Uh, all right, but I won't. So let's suffice to say that this is as a killer cast and you could watch it just for the cameos if not for anything else, but fortunately there is a lot of other things to watch it for. Um, there's the the uh, the them who are the group of kids instead of the outlaws. It's the them. Um, they're wonderful. They all work together. It's like watching it. They don't get as much screen time interested. as that. You've got me interested in this show for sure. They have bikes. <laughs> Uh, so do the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse as well. They have bikes. They have they have hogs. They ride hogs. Oh, of course they do. <laughs> but not. Uh, it could actually be in Terry Pratchett territory. Actual hogs, but I mean motorbikes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I saw the gesture, but no one yeah, else can no see did, the, gesture. No did the gesture. He did a little motorbike gesture. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, I, I think every single episode of this is gold. Mm. Uh, occasionally you get a bit confused. You have to be careful because there are flashbacks. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, you have to be really careful you're actually watching the right episode okay. on the streaming services, uh, which is Amazon Prime. Uh, and the reason why we, we, we got sucked into yet another streaming service is because we went there for Picard. Yes, and then they just uh, keep popping up stuff of interest, don't they? And then for All Mankind, mm. and now this one. Um, I, I just thought this series is one of the, 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 the most elevating and uh, uh, an enlightening sort of series I've watched in a while and just plain fun yeah. and whimsical. Um, and there's some of Agnes's prophecies about the future. For example, there's a card that says, "Prophecy of 1972: Do not buy Betamax." <laughs> <laughs> and there's a wonderful moment where Crowley has to walk down the uh, the aisle of a church. Mm. Now he's a demon, and it's consecrated ground. And he's sort of doing this ooh ah, ee, ah dance, <laughs> but he's doing it as a dance. It's it's brilliant. All that sort of stuff. Um, I, I can't recommend this enough. Uh, you know, from from the little bits and pieces like um, Adam's dad, that's the Antichrist, he drives a car with um, plates that say Sid Rat, which mm. is TARDIS spelt backwards, oh. which is a reference to um, Doctor Who, Second Doctor, I know that's the Second Doctor, Patrick Troughton's era of a, a serial called The War Games. You know, and you sort of think, does this exist in, in the Doctor Who universe? It, mm. it could, except it would have to be a pocket universe yeah, off yeah. to one side where, where the Bible isn't actually fantasy. But there's some <laughs> nice, like, Easter eggs in there. Yeah, which is appropriate because we've got Easter. So, look, if you want something – I know, it's about the apocalypse mm. um, and the averting or the uh, fulfilment thereof, but – it's a lot more fun than the apocalypse we're engaged in at the moment. And no, we're not actually engaged in an apocalypse. Look, trust me on that. This is zero G. I know. We know apocalypses. And disappointingly, the plural of apocalypse is just apocalypses. Oh. Isn't that sad? You think they it could have tried. It should be like apocali. <laughs> yeah. You, you think they could have tried harder. Mm. But, you know, they didn't, obviously. So there you go. We've got time to get it right now. Uh, and, and that is on Amazon Prime, six episodes, uh, and you'll enjoy it. Nice. Oh, and if you, you know, if you, if you, if you don't want to um, uh, stay with it, mm. they've got like a seven-day free trial. First, <laughs> first one's free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's options there. Now, David Arnold and Tori Amos got together again for another song in, Angel, in um, I was going to call it Angels and Demons, and I'd be perfectly, perfectly allowed to do that, really. Um, but this is a nightingale sang in Barclay Square, which uh, gets played in, an, in a, at one stage. And the lyrics actually are entirely relevant to the story of Good Omens. And I, and I haven't read, oddly enough, I haven't read the original book. Uh, I would like to rectify that some, at some stage. Um, when I go, I can go out and... Uh, Actually, buy a book and bring it home, and not have to dump it in a in a barrel of um, bleach. But here we go, uh, Nightingale sang in Barclay Square. David Arnold and Tori Amos from the soundtrack of Good Omens. Triple R. This is Neil Gaiman. It's well past 2000 AD, but Tharg still listens to Zero G. Yeah, he does. Mm. And Nightingale sang in Barclay Square. David Arnold and Tori Amos. That's that's the sound of rubber gloves. <laughs> Clapping together. <laughs> oh no, breach. Ah <laughs> I know. We look we take we take things a little bit um, ser- not seriously sometimes. Okay, zero gravity. We are totally lacking in gravity. Um, but you know, I mean in 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 reality, mm. in RL, um, you know, I mean, there's no, no no kidding around. The last figure I saw was like ten thousand dead in Italy. Yeah, it's it's that's a lot of people. That's the thing. It's like you know we're getting through, and it's it's making light of it is all part of it. But I think we all know the you know it's pretty serious, and I think we all need to do our part. Mm. So you know, I think where it runs into the. Surreal for Zero G in particular is, of course, 
you know, we're experts in apocalypses. Seen it many times. Yeah. This is not our first rodeo. <laughs> no. Although this is the first apocalypse I haven't actually been blamed for. <laughs> exactly. So. But no, yes, everyone, you should all be taking care of yourselves and others. Yeah, others as well in particular yeah, because much. if you take care of others, you take care of yourself. Mm. That's our. It's not the time to be selfish or headstrong. No. I think we all need a band together. No. So. I need um, some more hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> Band together apart. Yes. We're we're all in this together, but separately. separately. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And speaking of isolation, so this is a good juncture to talk a bit about what I've been um, up to in my staying at home time. Um, So video games obviously are rising a bit in popularity at the moment because we're in this isolation world. I did hear as well the Nintendo Switch is a little bit hard to find at the moment because of production issues, but also people are just buying them up because they want stuff to do while they're at home. There's only so much at-home yoga and things that you can do. You want something a little bit to pass the time as well. And so I have the answer for you if you already have or are going to get a Nintendo Switch. So I've been playing Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, now, you might have heard of the game. It's actually been <laughs> – I've seen it a lot pop up in kind of pop culture, the news and different things because it came out at a very interesting time. So it came out on March 20, 2020. So pretty much smack dab when most people – a lot of people are isolating both here in Australia and around the world. We're sort of – we're cutting down our outside activities and so we're looking for stuff to do in the home and here drops this game. So it's Japanese title. It's created by Katsuya Iguchi. And it's a Nintendo title, so you'll need a Nintendo Switch to play this game. Um, it is one in a series. There have been five other games um, plus three spin-offs. The first Animal Crossing was in 2001. And the previous game that's come out before New Horizons was released for the 3DS. That was Animal Crossing New Leaf, and that was in 2012. So we've been waiting eight years for a new game. And I say we, and I don't mean me, because this is a title I wasn't very familiar with. I'd heard of the game and I saw it on the 3DS. I knew about it, but I'd never owned a title. I'd never played it. I'd seen screenshots because I'm a bit of a Nintendo nerd. So I'd seen screenshots of the game. But I had never purchased one. And to be honest, I wasn't 100% sold on this one until. So, like I said, it was released released at a very kind of critical COVID time. And basically, it's sort of that bringing us all together across the globe thing too, where you see a lot of people like I've seen celebrities playing this game. I have a lot of friends playing this game. And it's just interesting because part of the idea of the game is also this community that you can make as well. So I'll talk a little bit about it. So in general, I think the game must be doing pretty well for itself. It's a popular title in Nintendo's kind of lineup anyway, but given the timing and people being isolated and the fact that in the game you can visit people in uh, people's islands and you can share things and all things that we can't really do in real life right now, <laughs> you can kind of live in the game. It's interesting too, I think one of the key things to its appeal is the stakes are very low. It's a very cute and feel-good game and I think Nintendo might do quite well out of this because a lot of their titles are very soothing and nostalgic and cute and fun. And it's also a way to pass the time. So I'll talk a little bit about the game in a minute, but it's definitely you can pass as many or as few hours as you want in here and the world is your oyster really and so there's plenty of tasks both big and small that are going to keep you busy so talk a little bit about of the premise so I'm not going to go through everything you can do or how to play exactly because we'd be here forever it's kind of an open world it's essentially a daily life simulator so like the sims yes we're in sims ish territory here so you can stylize yourself your look your clothes also your daily life And the main premise, which is that you've been dropped on a deserted island that you can make your own. So you can plant crops there. You can make use of the island's natural resources. You can build things. You can build recreation areas. And you can purchase different items and really personalize it. And I think that's what is part of the joy is that this social connection we're looking for, people who are playing and enjoying the game, you can share your island with others. You can share kind of what you've been working on. And it's just this very 
easy to manage way of connecting without kind of all the extra frills that we have at the moment of, you know, the anxiety around COVID. So basically what you do is you're given your island, you can name it, you can pick its layout from a small array of different selections. And then really in the game, you just grind away at little daily tasks. You can discover different things on the island. You'll get different visitors or different small tasks to do. You earn money so you can upgrade things, upgrade your house. You can decorate inside, outside. So some people, if you want to just spend all day getting your pad looking sweet, you can do that. If you want to (laughs) spend all day organizing an orchard, you can do that. And the, the interesting thing about the game, which I didn't know until I sort of started diving into it a little more, was that it's in real time. So the time in the game is the time in the real world. Mm-hmm. And you choose your hemisphere so it matches up the the seasons. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it has different weather and things. So the other day, two days ago in the game, it was raining for me. So I had different bugs and different things and fish that will appear in that kind of weather. And then it was sunny yesterday and there were butterflies everywhere. So I just went and caught all those. So... There's a bit of variation there which makes it very interesting and that's what brings you back is that there's different things to find, explore, collect and small tasks that really, you know, are very manageable. And I think that's part of it as well is it's this sense of control in a world quite out of control right now. Mm -hmm. There's small tasks that you can feel a sense of accomplishment from, like these different things you're doing to collect nook miles and whatnot. They're very... collect what? Nook miles. So that's the sort of... There's two different kinds of currency in the game. That's kind of like your points. And then you've kind of got money, which is called bells. So... Yeah, you can kind of accumulate these things in different ways, selling different things that you find. So there's something nice about being able to tick these small tasks off and feel this sense of, you know, that you're doing, you're able to have control over something. So, and like I said, there's different mini challenges you can, so things you can do, fish, uh, you can pick fruit, you can chop wood, talk to your neighbours, catch bugs. You can do all these little things daily and then you keep accumulating things in the game that means you can do more and more. You can have parties with more than two people. Yes, you can in the game. I visited actually visited a friend yesterday on their island in the game. So Aww. I didn't know this was a thing you could do. But you can fly on their airline, which she can't do now, fly to the island. She had some presents there for me waiting as I got out of the airport that Aww. I could pick up. And she, I got some fruit from her island that I didn't have. I gave, I brought her some flowers and gifts that I gave to her. Um, she had a little mask on in the game as well, oh, really? like a little. And it was just a really nice – it was it actually meant a lot because it's a friend Aww. that I don't talk to a lot. And so it was really lovely to have this fun way of interacting in a world where it's just a bit nuts. And, yeah, I think I think one of the things too is it can be overwhelming for some people. I am someone who likes – I'm very goal-orientated. So I kind of – open world games where you can pick and choose the tasks that you complete kind of freak me out a bit. I, I sort of – but then I realised that this is pretty much a game that's all side quests. So – and I'm very into side quests. So you can go off and do what you want and meet that little goal and then come back. And so, and the personalization element I found really fun. Like already I've made myself a little Western Bulldogs Guernsey as my (laughs) outfit. So, and you can get as much or as little from this, I think. So, yeah. So that's Animal Crossing. Uh, We're talking about Animal Crossing New Horizons. So it's out on the Nintendo Switch now. It's the only platform you can play it on, unfortunately. So if you have one, though, I would recommend it. It isn't cheap because it's only just come out and it's very popular. So it's a bit of an investment. Uh, I was dubious at first, but yeah, I would recommend this for sure. I had to look up tips and tricks to get started a little bit, um, just to help me out because I kind of wanted to make sure I was getting the most out of it and because I'm a big nerd. But generally you can jump into this and it really does hold your hand enough for someone who's never played the game before. Because I know there's people who are Animal Crossing pros who know exactly what they're meant to do to get the most out of the game. But there's plenty of content online that you can look up that's just going to give you a few tips to help you get started. I found it very therapeutic, um, very soothing. There's something meditative about it. And really, I just think that it's sort of what I needed right now. I think it's a very contained, simple game. um, But at the same time, it's actually quite complex as well. 
Um, you can get as much depth out of it as you want. And it's also a nice little routine. And it's clearly not a violent game. No, no, it's it's not violent at all. And I think that's what's kind of nice too. I think people are turning to things where you are living in this world that's kind of very cute and very fun and very unthreatening. Age Age range? All ages, Rob. All ages. All ages. I kind of <laughs> wish you had a switch because I really think you'd like it. Yeah, um, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think the absence of a linear storyline might be a turnoff for some, but I think if you're looking for something to just keep you company a little bit that you can just chip away at an hour here or there, or even if you just want to take your mind off things and log a couple of hours. Reminds me of that Cat Island Oh, what is that? Oh, yeah. yeah. We talked about that a while ago. We did, yeah. Um, but like I said, there's so much here, but there's also it's very accessible. So yeah, Animal Crossing, New so, Horizons. So walk me through how would you get something like that in this particular challenging time? That yeah, we're... so I just downloaded it from the Nintendo store, uh-huh. um, which was pretty easy. So I think a lot of people are turning to digital download. Obviously, you can still order things. But there is the immediacy of being able to download it. So I was happy to pay. I mean, it was full price. So, Look, I'm fully aware of um, the unconscious entitlement that that, um, discussing this stuff can sometimes uh, portray because, you know, first off, you've got to have decent internet. Yep. And this is Australia. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And people need that for the work from home at the moment. So you don't necessarily want to be using up your. Mm. But I, I also do think, as well, if you're in the position where um, you're lucky enough to kind of be in a good position still, but you're isolating, um, it can be a nice little way of taking your mind off yeah. it if it's something that you can afford. And... But, but it, it does, and it does bring home to you that sort of thing. I mean, this is the kind of game that maybe you could get from a game's library. Yes. If there yeah. are libraries open. Yeah. Um, you know, you could swap it with your friend. Or... Yeah, exactly. So it's, 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 it is messed up. I do think, and I do think as well, like, you know, you, you, you forget about all the things that you took for granted before hmm. of being able to access certain things. And, I mean, I'm not talking about games. I think, you know, more essential items. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Isn't it? uh, all right. So um, I was going to talk about Picard, but I can see I'm going to run out of time today because the finale of that has yes. actually dropped. Hmm. Uh, I, I will say that um, uh, the – is it 10 episodes? Yes, Something 10. like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they've – They've worked extremely well. Mm-hmm. It's very Star Trek. I mean, I know that's an obvious thing because it is, but it, it really does play up to the strengths of the Star Trek, the next generation era of Star Trek, yep. while actually managing to give us a new perspective on the Picard character of the title. Okay. Um, one thing I noticed very, very early on in the piece with the, was that they were determined to undermine Jean-Luc Picard at every stage. Mm. And that comes across through the story. He still manages to play to his key strengths, but you do actually get an idea that maybe some of those things, when he tries to uh, use them as a template in the contemporary times mm-hmm. in Star Trek, they don't work quite so well. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. That they've added that kind of layer of... And I think they must have been very attractive to Patrick Stewart mm. to play it that way. It doesn't mean that um, the ideals of mm. Star Trek are not still firmly fixed there because yeah. they are. Yeah. And that's why I felt it has a very st- a very particularly Star Trek ending, this, yeah, this okay. series. And, of course, it's got the nostalgic push all the way okay. into the well, red zone. That's good to hear, though. Um, and it mostly works. Yeah. Uh, I would like to have seen... Michael Dawn's wharf character yep. appear in this one, but there's no room for him because yeah, it's stuffed sure. with everybody else. And it would f- would it feel maybe too stuffed in there? Actually, it would end the, the series quite quickly because Michael Dawn would say, "Oh, how are you? You know, how are you, Jean Luc, or, Ca- or Captain Picard, Admiral Picard?" Because he's very formal. And so, oh, you know, I'm still miserable about not being able to save the Romulans. And Wharf would go. Why? (laughs) (laughs) That that would just be it. And that's it. That's it. Um, Yeah, so I think I'll wait a bit longer for Megan can... Yes, I will catch up and... 
take a look. And see the uh, the whole thing and we'll have a chat about it. But it's just dropped this last weekend, so I don't want to spoil it too Yeah, much. so maybe in a little bit we'll be able to talk more spoilery too because everyone will have had a bit of a chance. Yeah, I did find it very engaging and some of the characters were a little bit redundant, but there is a second season, so I reckon they'll have time to come into their own. Oh, great. Okay, good. Uh, That's good to hear. You know, Whoopi Goldberg is um, going to be in that one. Mm. Um, Practicing social distancing with that those hats that she used to wear. <laughs> so, Getting she was in that. So yeah, good. Yeah. All right. So that's about it for Zero yeah. G for today. Um, Joe Brunetti coming up next with Astral Glamour. And uh, I think we will go out because one of the big feature characters of um, uh, Star Trek, Picard, or Picard as he can be called, uh, is um, Seven of Nine. Yes. The ex-Borg who's now some kind of space ranger uh, working out on the fringe areas, a little bit like Firefly or Babylon mm. 5 or something. Cool. Um, yeah, we did discuss that. We reckon that uh, Picard easily could have got together with the crew of the Serenity. Yep. It's just the kind of uh, oh, I would watch that happy-go-lucky crew that he would uh, really enjoy working with. But um, Seven of Nine mm. uh, from uh, Star Trek Voyager. Yes does appear in the Picard series. So for today's, this week's David Bowie track, I'm going to play Seven. Uh, uh, uh. Love it. <laughs> so David Bowie there. And oddly enough, this is, uh, I, if memory serves me, it's one he did for a, um, a computer game. Ah. And Seven of Nine was a Borg. And this entire Picard series is about artificial intelligence. Oh, well, so that's just to underline how clever we are here on Zero G. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and, uh, yeah, look, stay safe out there. Yep. Stay impeccably clean. Yep. And, yeah, let's work together as a community. I think Triple R listeners, we're all of the same mind. We want to do the right thing by everyone, mm. so. And um, as they say, oh, actually, I'll just give you this little thing before we go. Lovely. Triple R on FM, digital, online, on demand, podcasts and via the app. Yeah, just to let you know where where you are and what you're doing. And here you are. Because you, our, our podcaster, uh, Kayla Larson, is also still continuing to podcast Zero G. Not quite as we speak, but um, <laughs> after we speak. And thank you very much for that. And, um, and I know that both um, uh, Megan and my partners are doing a hell of a job helping us stay insane <laughs> and... Um, Absolutely supporting us in, in yeah. continuing to do this radio, as is the station. They've got all the gear here, literally. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, uh, the isopropyl alcohol, all that, the, the wipes, yeah. everything. And, and that's great to see such community spirit, which is what we need at the moment. Yeah. Separately. <laughs> <laughs> but all with one heart beating is one or whatever, you know, blah, blah. I, I scarcely needed to wear my Tyvek suit in here today. <laughs> You know, which I got left over from my chemical experiments. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Breaking science. bad. <laughs> science, Mr. White. <laughs> All right. So here we go. We've uh, seven. Until next week. Hey, let's be particularly careful out there. G'day. This is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.